Welcome everybody. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. For over two decades, I delivered Christmas Eve talks and I just thought this year, because so many of you have been following me on social media, that I would just do a little Christmas meditation again. And I appreciate you tuning in and hope all of you and your family will have a great Christmas and praying for a, a, a new year that will be different than this past one. Uh, so may the Christ child bless you and give you peace. When I think about Christmas, I always think of my childhood. Christmas was a magical time, an enchanted time for me as a child growing up. One thing, it meant no school. Another thing was sledding back in the days when it snowed on Christmas. I would have hours and hours of sledding and I loved sledding. I loved the outdoors and all that kind of stuff. And then of course, Santa and the expectation of gifts under the Christmas tree. So Christmas was always an enchanted time. As an adult, I started yearly meditating on the Christ child story. And as I meditated on this through the years, it took on more and more meaning and I, meaning. And I was always finding a new angle or something that I didn't notice in the Christmas story that was there all along, but maybe I just noticed it for the first time. I think about the surroundings when Jesus was born. I think about uh, the people of Israel in relationship to the Roman governor. This is a big part of the story because the people of Israel had long hoped for a Messiah, one who would come and deliver them from their oppressor. And at the time of Jesus's birth, the Romans were the oppressors. The people of Israel were an occupied people. They were an oppressed people. It was interesting, the, the Caesars began to take on divine-like qualities and even take on divine appellations, names for themselves. So Caesars began to be called Lord or Son of God or Savior. This was the titles that many times were given to Roman emperors. The peace of Rome was something that the Pax Romana that, that could be distributed all over the conquered world. And so while the propaganda around the Roman Empire was one of peace and savior and son of God and Lord, the experience of people like Joseph and Mary was one of oppression, one of violence, one of an occupied people, one where they were in bondage, where there was poverty and intense taxation. This led to a sense of hopelessness so many times and the, and the one thing that seemed to stir the hopes of people was this hope of a coming Messiah who could one day overthrow their oppressors and bring freedom and liberation to the people. This was the hope. And yet, when we look at Joseph and Mary's story, it's not evident right off the bat that this would be 
what would be delivered. For one thing, Joseph and Mary were poor. They weren't born to nobility. They weren't well-funded. If they had a baby, how in the world would they get the word out to the rest of the world that this baby could possibly be the Messiah? And so when we look at Joseph and Mary's circumstances, we see difficulty, we see poverty, we see that Joseph didn't even reside in the place where his family heritage was located. Bethlehem would have been where his family land should have been, but he didn't live in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth, meaning that through taxation and oppression, he'd lost the family land and he was probably in debt and trying to pay taxes that he couldn't even afford. And so he had to travel to Bethlehem for the census so that uh, he could be counted in his homeland. Uh, Another thing was the stigma of illegitimacy. Think about this for a moment. Mary was a young woman, probably a teenager. She was betrothed to Joseph, which means that they were engaged in the ancient lands. And, And in their engagement, an angel appears to her and tells her that she's going to be blessed because she's going to have a baby, but this baby is going to be born or conceived supernaturally. Now, Mary is overtaken. She sings for joy, but delivering that message to Joseph was certainly very, very challenging. Listen, people knew how babies were born in Jesus's day. And so a young girl telling the world, telling Joseph, telling her mom and dad, hey, I'm pregnant. And by the way, it's a supernatural pregnancy. This this is uh, not acceptable. This is, this is just a lie and a cover-up, illegitimacy all over it. Joseph was going to divorce her, that is, put her away, that is, in the betrothal period or the engagement uh, in a private way so as not to embarrass her publicly. But he knew the deal. And the only reason why Joseph changed his mind is because he had an angelic visitation. And so I I, I think this is fascinating part of the story. Here here is uh, the hope of the world being born in an incredibly difficult circumstances where illegitimacy seems to be the theme. And I think, I think maybe uh, like myself and other people, maybe you have gone through some difficulties, some shame, some experiences that maybe on the inside you've felt illegitimate, you felt not good enough, you felt shame, you felt discouragement, you felt depression, you felt hopelessness. Uh, these were some of the emotions that were swirling around the birth of Jesus, the stigma of illegitimacy. So just ponder that for a moment. If you found yourself in a difficult and depressing situation or you've been wrestling with shame or guilt or something like that, you've been feeling small or not good enough, then, then rest assured there's hope in this story. So 
in the midst of this story that's difficult, it's full of poverty and illegitimacy, there's also this sense of wonder and awe and magic that is in the air. For one thing, angels are showing up and making announcements. They show up to the shepherds. They announce the coming of this Christ child. There's a star or a comet, the Bethlehem star. I've always liked the work of a guy named Colin Nickel, who wrote The Great Christ Comet. Lots of good science research about a comet that probably perfectly fit the time of Jesus' birth. And certainly this could have been the wise men's marker in the sky that brought them from the east uh, to follow the path of this comet right over Bethlehem and located them to the birth of Jesus. So you have these magical moments of shepherds and angels and wise men and and people gathering and, and, and thinking that something supernatural is happening around them. So magic is in the air. Hope is being stirred through these magical signs and wonders that are in the air. I love the passage out of Isaiah that is really a prophecy given by Isaiah about the coming Messiah, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 7. It's a great meditation for this Christmas season. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Verse four, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. And then verse six, one verse that you probably heard before many times, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Here's these amazing titles. And so in the midst of poverty and oppression and violence and and occupation and all of these issues with poverty, there's hope that's stirring. There's a child that's going to be born that will be a wonderful counselor. How many times does a good counselor get us out of deep trouble? I know I've been so thankful for the counseling and therapy that I've been in the last couple of years, and it's been so beneficial. Think about mighty God. God is going to somehow move and work through this Christ child, miraculously, supernaturally even. The everlasting Father Think about this. Most people in the world, about 50%, have an earthly father who is distant, absent, or abusive. And yet, Father God can be a father to the fatherless. And so here's new hope being birthed. And then Prince of Peace. In the world today, and uh, I, I don't know if it was enormously different in Jesus' day. Think about people being indebted people being addicted and people being medicated, certainly in today's world. People are addicted, indebted, medicated, and even wrestling with 
all kinds of issues like obesity and stuff like that. This is kind of the world we live in. And yet this Prince of Peace can bring hope, can bring peace into our hearts, into our lives, into our, this, this magic surrounding in the Christ child that brings hope, that stirs wonder, that stirs awe. It strikes this sense of faith and hope that something different can happen, something different can come about. So I guess probably the amazing part of this story is that hope is birthed in this child who's born into poverty and is incredibly vulnerable to the oppressors that surrounded him. Vulnerability and weakness in the Christ child lead to strength, lead to bravery. I've had to become incredibly vulnerable with my own story and and I've had to find hope in the vulnerability and the openness and to share even the broken parts of my story. This vulnerability and this weakness in the Christ child leads to strength. Think about surrender. We have to surrender. We have to admit that there's things that are powerless, that, are, that, are, that we're powerless over things in our lives. And, and many times these things have come to enslave us or destroy us. We have to admit that even in our powerlessness and our surrender, there's a power greater than us that's loving and caring that can come and bring new hope into our lives. In the face of death, you think about Christ's greatest moments, his birth, the incarnation, his death, the crucifixion. And on the heels of the crucifixion comes the greatest story ever told, this resurrection. So death and life, death and resurrection on the heels of death comes new life, resurrection, new hope. This is, this is the hope that's stirring around Jesus, this vulnerable baby born in poverty, who is weak, who is is uh, and surrendering himself even to his mom, his dad, and his growing up years, and all of these things, and yet this has a mark of hope in his incarnation, in his death and crucifixion, in his great weak moments. We find the birth of hope the birth of new life, the birth of resurrection, the birth of redemption, the birth of Messiah, the Christ child. And so I just want to pray a prayer of blessing this Christmas for you, for your family, uh, particularly for those who are going through difficulty, challenges, shame, guilt, depression, darkness. I want to pray. God, come and meet us in these times. Meet us in this season of COVID, in this season of Christmas, in this season of, of difficulty, and grant us peace. Christ child, be to us, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Spark hope in our lives. Let light shine in the darkness. And let the lighting of this Christ candle, this Christmas Eve, bring hope to all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Merry Christmas. 
Thanks for following. God bless.